1: So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
0: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection. Convenient installation options and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products—wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com/Colin. TireRack.com—the way tire buying should be.
1: The volume.
0: just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin, so they know we sent you. I have a special guest. I think you could go by All-Pro, Pro Bowler, National Champion, Super Bowl Champion, but I would imagine the coolest thing to be called is the Walter Payton
2: Man of the Year. Uh, Andrew Whitworth. How you doing big fella? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be here. Well, Tom Brady lasted
0: about, you know, less than 40 days in retirement. You're going on a little bit longer than that. Are are
2: you going to hold strong or are we going to see it jump back into the, in the boat for old McVay? I'm, I'm holding strong. You know, I, uh, I just now kind of got back to, I took probably a pretty good little break after I retired, just playing golf and hanging out, and uh, I've I've started getting back in the weight room and feeling pretty good, and, uh, you know, all all those little feelings start creeping in, but I'm like, you know what, no chance, I'm done, so I'm holding strong. We're just going to get to working out, getting in shape, and, um, you know, trying to stay away from the football field for now.
0: Yeah, I follow you on it, so I see, uh, you know, you're up routine people, you know,
2: football guys, you know, so it's just
0: you keep it, but there has to be some moments where you're like, you know, I might be 40, but I still got it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the O-line still comes over and trains with me here at my place. And and so it's it's fun to kind of be with those guys and see what they're up to. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's, fun. it's Some days you get in there with them and you get to getting after it and you just kind of get that uh, that feeling of uh, what it was like being in the locker room and being around the guys and grinding towards a goal. And so it's, uh, it's definitely a special environment. I don't think that really changes whether you're playing or not. Once you've experienced it, you'll always miss that a little bit. But uh, it's fun to see them kind of in that mode of, uh, taking the next step, you know, Joseph Noteboom's one of those guys, and he's going to replace me there with the Rams. And he's here all the time at my place training and it's fun to watch him grind. And, and, you know, he's chasing his dream and, and what he's looking forward to doing. And I can't couldn't be happier to support him and can't wait to watch him do his thing. Well, what's crazy
0: is, you know, we've seen now quarterbacks, obviously kickers and punters over the years. I mean, it became a pretty big story. A guy in the trenches, I think you turned 40 in December and you obviously played that month and then the and then the playoff run. Uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty incredible accomplishment to, to play left tackle. It's one thing to kick or punt or, you know, Tom's not getting hit anymore. But you, I mean, every week it's Nick Bosa, it's JPP, it's Chandler Jones, it's whoever. It's, it's a little different ballgame in there.
2: Yeah, it is. It's wild. You know, I, I was uh, recently playing in a golf tournament with uh, Derek Carr and we were having this conversation. He was like, man, you know what? Now the way the game is, like, you know, I don't get, hardly get touched. It's like, and when you do, it's like they have to gently put you on the ground. It's like you, you, you know, the game has completely changed from when he was a young player and got in the league. And you know, I think he came in right when it started to kind of change things of how you yeah. can get quarterbacks in the pocket. And so we had that conversation. He's like, "Man, I feel like I could play till you know, as long as my arm holds up till my you know early forties, just because there's not that as much contact." But yeah, at our position, uh, you don't get to shy away from that at any moment, and so. There's a lot of people that went into it, a lot of people that are part of my journey to help me to get there, and and that's really probably the coolest part, playing at that age, really learning how to be tough enough, uh, the endurance, the consistency it took to really continually to change my body, work on my body, and and prep it, the prep it took week in and week out to be really good. Uh, and hold a certain standard of play. You know, you don't want to be out there just, oh man, it's cool. This old guy's out here playing. You want to be playing to a certain standard. And I think being able to end my career playing at a really high level uh, and being an elite pass protector still at the left tackle position um, was something that was really special to me. And, and and another reason why I felt like it was a good time to walk away.
0: You know, one theory I've had is the game's changed a lot. And and you, you know, Brady, some of the older guys have experienced the transition. But the difference is in the trenches, right? The O-line and D-line, it's still really physical, right? It's just that the wide receivers going over the middle, the quarterbacks not touching them, tackling, you know, you got to be careful. But the line of scrimmage, I mean, hasn't really changed, right? It's not like it's it's softer in there. You can still get after it. It's why you continue to see O-linemen and D-linemen get drafted and get compensated, you know, right behind the quarterbacks because it's an important place and bodies are still, you know, you talk to Derek Carr, you know, I was a GA when he came into Fresno State and his brother, you know, Fresno is a really big deal. He's the number one overall pick, smaller school, got the living crap kicked out of him. Yeah. And you really don't see that many quarterbacks. Maybe they flame out because they're not accurate enough now, but it's not like they can't move. I mean, he was getting killed. This is a different world
2: now. It really is. I mean, you look at it, their hits are way down. And so it's it's a much different league. I mean, I I I was you know recently having this conversation of what it was like in 2006 entering the NFL to the game you play today there's it, just it's not even close i mean i can remember in 06 it's like you you knew the plays where we might get in the shotgun and now it's like every play might be in the shotgun and and it's it's wild that almost everything was under center a lot of eye formation, uh, a lot of two-back stuff back in the day, and then now the game is so different. Even the teams that do play under center don't play anything in the vicinity of the structure and really the things that you used to do back in the game, you know, 15, 16 years ago. So, it's it's changed a lot, the schematically and the physicality, and I think really now you're, you're seeing more of an emphasis of, you know, can guys pass protect because, Early in the NFL, probably when I first got in, you know, it was you needed to be able to move people at the line of scrimmage and run block really well to have any chance of being on the team. And then they'd figure out how to teach you pass protection. And I think now you look at it, if you can't protect the quarterback at some point, it usually comes back to haunt you in an NFL season.
0: I, I remember my first year as like a scouting intern in 2010, multiple guys, Austin Colley and Deshaun Jackson on hits, got carted off the field. A- and they were their hits in 2010 didn't look that much different than like 1978. I mean, absolutely killed. I mean, when they got hit, they were lucky to be, it felt like, is this guy alive? And it was serious. You know, everyone in the stadium, your heart drops. I don't remember that really happening much lately, you know, and and you were a part of that division that was physical as hell in the North.
2: I think of it all the time. It's like people look at me crazy when I talk to them about James Harrison and they they just don't even understand how physical of a football player this guy was. Like he wasn't dragging people to the ground. Like when he hit people, it was an explosion. I mean, it was like a car wreck every time he hit people. And and you you watched his style of play and the tenacity and the power he played with. Like there's just not many guys in the game that that play like that anymore. I mean, you have more rushers who lean more to athletic twitchiness those kind of things the ability to be mobile and get in and out of pass rush moves than really true power guys and and James is one of those guys that had nothing but power, but also had some twitch and ability to bend and those kind of things. And it was, it was really rare to block them. And I think that's why I've always felt really comfortable, you know, as I, as I got older in the league with pass pro, because I really felt like the the most power I was going to feel, uh, I kind of got to experience at a young age. And and uh, I, I knew after playing Terrell Suggs and, and James Harrison in their prime twice a year uh, I, I was pretty confident in there in pass protection that I could hold up against some of the best.
0: I would imagine early on in your career, definitely at LSU was saving and then early on with the Bengals lifted heavy, being strong. It's a big part of football. As you got older, you know, the the, the buzzword, the pliability, stretching, did did your did everything change to to maintain and sustain playing against all these dudes that are twenty three that can bend the edge
2: like Bosa or Von Miller or whatever? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I think every player has like a trait or a couple traits that kind of set them apart and and make them pretty special and give them really the ability not not only to be special, but to really maintain a level of success in the NFL. And I think for me, looking back on it, you know, one of those things was I – came up in a really amazing strength program in high school at Westminster High School in Louisiana, where we were really successful. We won three state championships when I was there. We're 58-2, and and a lot of it had to do with our program more than just the players, and our strength coach, Casey Sanders, was amazing. So I started lifting and doing things like that when I was 13, 14 years old and had a great baseline, as I call it, a foundational strength line, and then went to LSU under Tommy Moffat and the Gail Hatch Olympic lifting You know, really getting powerful and strong. And so when I got in the NFL, if anything, I was actually a little more wound to too strong and a little tight. Uh, But I was built as a basketball player. I grew up playing hoops and tennis and soccer and baseball. Like I played all the sports. And so I was actually built more like my athleticism was more as an athlete. But I grew up lifting really hard and playing nothing but football. So in high school and college. So I actually, when I got in the NFL, I went the other direction. Whereas most guys have to lift all the time to keep their strength up. I was able to really kind of slow down the lifting and start working on moving better and running better and, and getting more lean and kind of getting more athletic throughout my career, you know, there was quite a, a time there where I probably almost lost three, four five pounds every season for a pretty almost like a 10 year stretch to where I was like, hey, the leaner I get, the better I'm feeling, the more mobile I am. And it's funny if you look at film at me at 37 years old compared to 24, or 23 when I got in the NFL, uh, it's a night and, dif- night and day different player. I mean, the way I moved everything, it's it's uh, it almost like I was a better athlete at 37 than I was at 23 funny is, uh, you know, a couple California bald guys
0: now, and when you came out, I I vividly remember I'm similar age to Sean. I remember he got hired, and I just thought like, it's going to be very, very difficult for this young guy, you know, at 31, 32 to be a head coach in the NFL. Obviously completely wrong, but the the picture, like you were part of the first class, right? And, and, you know, you were older than him when you signed. Do you remember that in the pitch? Obviously in football, guaranteed money, it's It's a little bit different, but you signed up coming from Marvin Lewis. You guys had a ton of success in Cincinnati for a long time and then coming to a just young hotshot head coach. But at the time, Sean McVay was not Sean McVay in 2017. Just your thought the first time you met him uh, and just that kind of early on process before you guys even
2: played games. Well, I think Sean just is, is infectious energy and passion for the game and, and just uh, how much he loves it, is, it. It jumps out at you so fast. I always tell people, you can, you know, really, really special coaches, leaders, It really doesn't no matter what profession we're talking about, you know, you can spend five to 10 minutes with them and walk away and go, wow, I, I can see why that person uh, is good at what they do. And Sean's note, he's definitely one of those people. If anything, he's the epitome of it. And it's uh, my first time meeting him is like, yeah, this guy's really young, but I had actually met him years ago when Jay Gruden was our offensive coordinator. And obviously he had a relationship with Jay and John oh, and yeah. through his family. And so he was actually interviewing with Jay to to possibly come work with us in Cincinnati. And so I met him at the NFL Combine in like 2012 or 13. And so we had kind of had a baseline of, of meeting and knowing each other and having an appreciation of each other because Jay and I and his wife and my wife are really close and kind of spent a lot of time together in Cincinnati. So I knew of Sean pretty well and a lot about him through Jay. And so I kind of had a baseline of who he was as a person, but spending some time with him that first week, um, I was amazed really at it. You know, just his focus level, his concentration level, the intensity, the passion. As I've always uh, said, I, I, he didn't really answer it or, or answer to it or enjoy it as much as maybe I, I wanted to convey it to him. But the first time we hung around, I told him I thought he was the first person that really reminded me of Nick Saban. And he was like, No, I'm not like Nick. You know, like he was 30 years old, you know, felt like he was. Cool. And, and a lot of fun to be around. And just the persona Nick has of being kind of tough and all this stuff. He's like, I'm nothing like Nick Saban. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand what I'm saying. What's special about Nick? It's, it's not his style. I think every coach has their own style. It's the intensity that every single day, regardless of adversity, regardless of a good day, bad day, what's going on throughout the day, who he is, is consistent to a level that's so rare because the rarest elite performers are that way. Their consistency level is higher than everyone else's, and you always get the best version of Nick Saban. And with Sean, I realized after a couple months of being around him, this dude's going to be really different because his consistency level of his messaging, who he is, what's important to him, never wavers, never changes. And he's always willing to admit when he's at fault. And and to me that you're just a rare, rare, rare leader when you're able to do that. And, And so as an NFL head coach, he's going to have a lot of success.
0: The baseball season is here. This baseball season turn Ks into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Here's what I like. Betting on the Los Angeles Dodgers and betting on the New York Yankees. Bet on the best teams and you are more likely going to win money. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code Colin to get started with your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. 21 and over. And present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369, New York, Tennessee Redline 1 800 888 9789, Tennessee 1 800 522 4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye opening check at your favorite restaurant, inflation's hitting us all. Trust me, I know. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside, it's really easy. You just download the app, go to your app store, download the Upside app, and when you go get gas, where I live in California, it's the most expensive in the country, you upload your receipt or check in on the app, very easy to do, and then you earn cash back every time you use it. I can't recommend it enough, especially during these inflationary times. This app was made for 2022. So once you claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card, and you get paid with real cash. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code 3ANDOUT to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more dollars. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more using the promo code number three, A-N-D, out. That's promo code three and out. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind
1: fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
0: You see a lot of differences in the Sean that just coached you guys in the Super Bowl five years into the guy that you were around maybe that first year when, I mean, you guys had a really good year. You won the division and made the playoffs, but not necessarily from a schematic standpoint, everyone adapts and changes and progresses, but as a, as a person, because it feels like he's been pretty consistent as a guy.
2: Uh, Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah. I think that, you know, I think people can sometimes mistake consistency is like you don't make faults that you don't have fault. And I think, He's not only consistent, but every little fault he does have that maybe people pick up on, or maybe they don't really know whether that was his decision or uh whether that was a part of the game or something that kind of he had a hand in. He's always evaluating those things. One of the most impressive things I always tell people just to know who Sean McVay is, is after the first three or four months I was with him uh with the Rams, we're out here, you know, at our facility. I'm coming in a lot of times, I'm trying to get to know a lot of the people in the building. And he's kind of giving me free. Hey, man, I would love to talk ball with you at any time. While you're here in the off seasons, you know, and, and get a feel for things, whether it be culture and leadership and me in front of the room, like, all right, great. And so we start meeting, and I go in one afternoon, probably two weeks into OTAs, and he's sitting in his office at three o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody's long gone, and he's watching film of himself speaking to us as a team. So he has literally videoed all our team meetings, and he is evaluating and grading himself. On his ability to communicate his message on what was correct or incorrect about something he may or may not have said. And I thought that was so rare that this guy's humble enough to be like, I'm not going to just say everything I say is great or think that everything I do is wonderful. I'm going to evaluate myself and how I speak and whether my messaging, if I was sitting in that room, would I listen to this guy? And to have that kind of awareness to realize how important every time he stood in front of his men, because what a rare opportunity that is an NFL head coach, you better treasure it. Because those moments are where you're going to spread your message. Those moments are whether you're going to get guys to be, I'm going to play my butt off for this guy, or you know what, I don't know if I buy into this guy. And those are going to be the moments that are going to decide the success level of your team because guys are going to buy in or not. And for him to realize how important it was for him to evaluate every opportunity he had to sit in front of his team and talk, I thought that was so rare and special for a guy that young to be taking that position. Does he get angry a lot? Oh yeah. He he uh as I call him the angry sharks, he'll get the angry, angry sharks going. Uh, I think that's uh it's fun to watch, but it's it's more it's a practice environment. I think he loves the feeling of applying more pressure than he thinks he'll feel on a game day in practice. He wants to feel like every single moment in practice is perfect and that he can he can make it perfect and we can do it perfect. And even though he knows it won't be, he wants to apply pressure to feel like it has to be. And I think that makes it to where when you get on the field in a game, um, you almost are able to play with a calm and an enjoyment and just love what you do and put a smile on your face and just go, you know, excel and and be great and realize that you've already put out the most pressure you can put on yourself throughout the week. And now you just get to go out and execute. And I think that that's how he sees practicing and, and preparing in the NFL is really creating those opportunities where there's a lot of pressure in practice so that there's less pressure in those games. One thing I give him credit, he he's openly talked
0: about handling the situation, the transition last year with the quarterback uh, of Jared. And, and I know I'm a Northern California guy and followed Jared very closely. And I know that he became close family friends with you, you know, coming over, hanging out with your kids and the way that just kind of in the media, the leak before the Stafford thing became official, it just kind of got weird. Was that, was that an uncomfortable situation for you, team leader, knowing the guys personally, just the way it was all kind of shaken out?
2: Yeah, it really was. It was it was a tough situation for my wife and I just because we've become close with Jared and his family and friends and Um, so in the NFL, it's always tough. As I tell guys, it's, it's, you know, people forget, like you look at rosters there, your main guys may stay, your guys are under contract, but there's always so much change within the roster and the group year in and year out. You can almost guarantee that you won't be looking at the same faces, whether that be coaches sometimes and and definitely within your 53 man roster. And so you develop these really close relationships and, and the harshness of life happens, right? I mean, a guy gets cut or he gets injured and he can't play anymore or trades, Or he decides that his best financial situation or best situation for him and his family is somewhere else. And you're always going through that. But something like this, where you come here and really a young guy like Jared, you're watching him blossom and and start to try to become an elite NFL quarterback and what that takes um, to be a part of his life and appreciate the human. And then for this to happen and you're like, man, I also love Matthew Stafford. What a dog this guy is. What an unbelievable football player. It's exciting to get to play with him and to be a part of a team that he's going to be on because I've always had a ton of respect for him. Um, It's just kind of a – you know, it's, it's a big knot of emotions, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're excited on one hand, you feel really bad for Jared in the situation, just mainly not really because I I think it's a bad situation for him, but just because it's tough. Anytime you feel rejection, anytime you feel like, all right, they chose somebody else other than me, I don't care what we're doing in life. You can, for sure. You can be playing pickleball. You don't pick me on your team. I'm pissed. Right. I I know. So it's, it's one of those things that you just, you get upset. And so I, you know, I can understand his feelings. And then for Sean, I mean, what a tough situation that was. Uh, But I also think that's what makes him a rare human is that he made a tough decision. He admits he feels like he could have played through it better and done it better and been a better leader through it, uh, communicating better because you know what? It's also people forget he's (laughs) 30 something year old head coach. Like it's the first time he's been through that situation. Right. So he's learning on the go himself. And, and I think to admit your, your faults and say, Hey, you know what, there's ways I could have been better. And I think everybody kind of now can look back at it and realize there's parts in it. You wish you were better. And I think that, uh, that's what makes it special. And I also think it's one of those things, 10 years from now, you'll look back and go, you know what? I I'm, I'm, I can be, I can hold my head high and I can be proud of how this whole situation was handled because at least we all went about it, approached it, apologized, handled it the best way we possibly could in the moment and owned it. And I think that that really makes you proud of the way you do things at the end of the day.
0: I think it's easy to say now, obviously you guys won the Super Bowl, but at the time when the Stafford trade happened, I, you know, the 49ers, the top teams wanted them. But coming from Detroit, hadn't had that much success. You guys are just coming off. You just won a playoff game. You'd been to the playoffs basically every year except the one. In the one year, you went nine and seven. You guys have been winning consistently. And then there were some bumps in the road. I'm sure you guys knew each other, SEC guys, Pro Bowls or whatever. But being around them, spending time with them, game planning with them, grinding with them, what did you learn about Matt throughout, throughout the season that maybe you didn't know just from afar or being casual friends with him?
2: Well, first, you can't call him Matt. That's the first thing I learned. Matthew? Matthew. is very that's a sensitive subject. Okay. So you you, you know, I, I learned that lesson first. Okay. I called him Matt a couple times and I got uh correct. Is he dead serious on that? He likes Matthew, okay. He likes Matthew. <laughs> uh, but hey, I get it, you know. So yeah. people call I'll me people call me Andy sometimes and <laughs> I get a little testy. So I you know I can understand it. But no, I you know, honestly, being being around him, I think from afar, you always saw Uh, This guy's tough as nail. I mean, this guy's as tough to get at the quarterback position. He loves the moment. Like he loved like down, you know, trying to figure out a way to help the Lions win. He almost like, you know, gets fired up and just loves that moment. And and I think that's really kind of the things you knew about him. And obviously he's got tons of talent and arm talent and all these things. But because of really what was around him, you didn't know really all the other things. How does he handle the moments, the pressure, being in big games? You know, because you really think about how many times has he played in a game up until he got here where it's like week in and week out. I'm in a situation where I got to perform at the best and we're not we're not trying to win. We're expected to win. And and that was a new thing for him. Right. And so seeing him in those moments, man, he excelled and, and and it was special. And it was really cool to see him battle through that and really earn that respect from from his teammates. And, man, what a leader he is. It's it's He's going to be really successful for a long time watching him handle it the way he has. They're going to have some success. For sure. Well, let's start with the Super Bowl run. Let's just go right to week 18. I I
0: was there. I remember walking into the building. First and foremost, you're probably numb to it. That place is just remarkable. I mean, I've never experienced. I mean, I've, Jerry's Palace is cool. I think that place is just newer. It's, just, it's crazy. I mean, that place is walking into that building that day. It was like, this thing's a playoff game. You guys were already in, but the Niners had to win to get in. And then right before the game, it's announced Trent Williams is out. It's like, oh, my God. Then you guys just start smashing them. I mean, it could have been 30 to nothing at half. I think it was 17 to 3. Maybe it was 20 to 3. But it it felt 50 to nothing, you know? And then the second half, just that game, that half, and then you guys lose. But the Cardinals lose, and you win the division. It was – it was just a bizarre environment. What what was that whole experience, the second half, being division champs,
2: the whole thing? What was that like? Well, you know, it's it was it was crazy because the emotion of that game was wild. I, I'll never forget. And, you know, it was one of those things that felt like a Niners home game. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable the crowd support they got for that game. There was so much emotion in it. Um, I thought it was really cool and and then to go up big in the game and have all the emotional emotions of that, and then for the game to flip in the second half, and then go to overtime, and you and you've come out on the losing end, but then you still win your division. There's so many like highs and lows in that; it's crazy. But you put it, you put on a hat in the locker room, or no? No, I, I don't remember doing that. Um, I think we just kind of, you know, let's let's move on to the playoffs. And and I think that what was cool about that is I think when we first got here with Sean McVay. It was how cool the moment was to put on the hat and just win a division and be really happy about that. They hadn't had success. But to be sitting in that locker room, we're going to the playoffs, we still have a home game in the playoffs, we won the division, and the only thing anybody is 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 pissed off and angry and upset. Uh, You really could tell what the competitive greatness level was of that football team. There was no satisfying feeling from anyone. And I also thought one of the neatest things about it is – when you really think of culture and what does culture mean, and, and what what do you what do you what do you mean when you say a team has a great culture uh, and a great really locker room environment? I thought one of the coolest things that came from that is during that week our conversations were not about man how can we figure out. A you know, way to beat the Niners, or man, they're not that good. They keep getting lucky, you know, or man, they just got all the brace. Cause that's usually the topic when you're a For team sure. trying yeah. to keep yourself from losing, right? Lost six times in a row. Oh, there's all of these things that always work out in their favor. That was the first time I had been in that room with all those guys, and and all the communication was, man, the San Francisco 49ers, they're unbelievable. Man, those guys are so good. They're a great football team. They're one of the best teams we've played this year. They're one of the best teams we've played in the last couple of years. Like, what an elite football team they are. There was there was a level of culture where it was like, hey, guys, it's okay for all of us to just admit they're a damn good football team. And, and we're going to have to play our absolute best for all four quarters if we want to beat this football team. There was no excuses. There was no, man, they get lucky or we've been injured when they've done this or any of that kind of stuff. It was literally... Hey, that team is really special. And I think that's really what came to a head when we played them in the NFC Championship is that we walked into a team. I had this conversation with Robbie Gold a couple weeks ago. He was like, man, that was the chippiest, just nastiest I'd ever seen y'all's team. On the putting green? Is that what and, you guys yeah, talked buddy green in Tahoe <laughs> <buddy> in the <laughs> NFC championship? He's like, from all the years we played y'all, it was always cordial and kind of cool and stuff. But like, that was the chippiest I've ever saw, I've seen y'all's team. And I was like, dude, I think it really took our team finally admitted like, Stop making excuses like this team's really freaking good and put some respect on their name. And you're going to have to play your best for all four quarters. And no matter whether they're up, we're up. You're going to have to find a way to find the best you got to win this football game. And we were able to find a way to do it in the NFC Championship.
0: Yeah, I want to rewind because obviously you lose that game. You go on, you throttle the Cardinals on Monday night, which first Monday night football game, I think in the history of the playoffs, which was pretty cool. And then the next week, you're injured and you're playing Tom Brady in Tampa, enormous game. I'm sure retirement had probably, it was kind of already out there. You, you know, yep. 40 years old. What was your thought? Like, I can't even play this. We're playing Tampa. I mean, in Tampa, was that a tough situation for you it was. personally? It was,
2: uh, I was an absolute basket case that week sitting here at the house. Cause I'd had a procedure done that Saturday to kind of drain my knee and my ankle. Uh, Cause I actually managed to get both of them. And when I got rolled up in the Arizona game and so, I mean, I think I told Sean I spent maybe half the morning in a closet in the fetal position like just watching the game. I mean, it's like kind of peeking my head out like, what's the score now? Like, you know, because I just had to have us win because I wanted that opportunity to play in the NFC Championship and um, I you know, but here's the reality. I knew Joseph Noteboom, the player he is, and really what he'd done for us is about yeah. in years past. He was gonna play well enough for us to win, no question. And uh he definitely did that. And and I think that's why they feel good about him going forward, and and no doubt they should. So I I definitely wasn't worried about that part of it as more as much as I knew I would be healthy enough to play the next week. We could tape it up, put it in a brace of some kind, and we'd be good to go. But I just needed that time for for to get some of this fluid out of my knee and ankle, and 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 uh, I'd be ready to roll. So uh, I'm not gonna lie to you; I, it was uh, hard to watch any of the last half of that game. But man, what an unbelievable performance! And 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 back to what we said about Stafford. I think one of the coolest he things, was
0: he was awesome in
2: that game. He was awesome. But I think if you really look at the playoffs, I think throughout the NFL regular season, Matthew Stafford figured out how to lead a winning football team, like an expectation team. Hey. People expect you to win. You're going to get people's best effort now instead of being in Detroit. And it's like, hey, we could figure out a way to win this game no matter what. We just got to keep Stafford from hurting us. Now you're in a situation where it's like everyone's out to get you. How do you not lose the game? And I think he figured out how to do that. But if you really look at the NFL playoffs, to me, Detroit Stafford came back out like he fought like a guy. Who had his back against the wall and it was two minutes to go in every football game. How can Matthew Stafford find a way to will this what team to a win? And I thought that that's the stat like he went back and leaned on what he developed in Detroit that made him a tough SOB to where people were like, man, this dude is bad to the bone and you're they're always in the game because of him. He went back to that to me in his emotions and fought that way. Like, hey, I've got this opportunity. Uh, you know, I am not letting it go. And and I thought it was really special the way he was able to perform throughout that entire playoffs. And really, the leader he was and the fire and passion he had was pretty rare. Well, obviously, you guys get the
0: monkey off your back. Six straight, you know, losses to the Niners. McVeigh takes down Shanahan. You guys win that game. There was a moment you were probably on the field, but I was watching, you know, I, I was kind of room for the Niners. And when Aaron Donald goes nuts on the sideline watching with a buddy, I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. And then you guys end up winning that game. And then you realize you're in the Super Bowl, life kind of comes full circle. You're playing the Bengals. <laughs> I mean, what, you know, I know you're all for two weeks You're focused on the game, but that had to be sitting with your wife, your family. Like, that's
2: pretty wild how that played out, is it not? It's crazy. It's an unbelievable scenario. I mean, like we've talked about it a million times with so many different people. I mean, it's literally a movie script. I mean, to think that for 11 years, you're a part of an organization that you helped win a lot of football games and division championships and all these things and couldn't get over the hump um, of winning a playoff game. And then to come here and to play in a Super Bowl, to win a bunch of division championships and now be back in the Super Bowl. And and what is you've already decided months ago is going to be your last NFL football game. And for it to be against that team that got over the hump and they're in the Super Bowl and you have so much pride and joy for them. I told people it's like either scenario, I walked away with an appreciation for my career in the game because I, I would have been really happy for Cincinnati and the city and what that place meant to me and my family. But one way I ended it where it was about, you know, my legacy and those kind of things. And, and so obviously it's the one I wanted was the Rams to win. But I was just so happy those two weeks and proud just to be a part of those two organizations that I believed in. And uh it was really, really cool experience to just be a part of something like that. That's literally, you know, you had to have a, somebody draw it up for you to think that you'd ever end in a scenario where your walk-off is against your former team that you have your heart and soul in and with a team that you've poured your heart and soul in with NLA, in with the Rams, um, really special for me.
0: I mean, from a professional standpoint, becoming the man of the year, the speech, I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the one moment with the player from the Detroit Lions who spoke to you. I think that's really cool. But just that whole just experience, like it doesn't, and then you end up winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's to go out on top. I mean, literally on top. It just that that had to just sometimes you have to look back and like, this is really my life.
2: Yeah, Walter Payton man of the year on Thursday and a Super Bowl championship on Sunday. It's a it was a, it was a decent four days. You know I mean? Yeah. Have a run, why not? But uh yeah, it was the whole experience was unbelievable. And uh cool for me. I mean, as an O lineman, you know, I, I call it the QB life, but you know, as O lineman, we don't, we don't really get to experience much of the NFL life of, of uh, some of the things, you know, these uh, high profile skilled players and defensive players and quarterbacks get to do and get invited to, but as an O lineman to end your career and kind of feel like you're one of those guys and feel like you're somebody that people are recognizing and um, acknowledged for your greatness and things you've done throughout your life and career. Uh, it was a really special way to go, and and something I'll never forget, and I'll always be humbled by.
0: Can you retell the story that you said at the Man of the Year about uh, was the player on the Detroit Lions who, who came yeah, up David to you after
2: Barnes. the game? Yeah, young guy. You know, throughout the game, had just been kind of looking at me and staring at me through the game, and and uh, I knew he he had something to say because you kind of you can kind of tell in TV timeouts if there's somebody you know or whatever. We'll we'll wrap we'll or just kind of talk or give a hug or something. And so I, I could tell he was too nervous to say something, but he kept making eye contact like he was either trying to figure out how old I was or, uh, you know, or what what I was doing out there. Why, why somebody that looked like they were a coach was out there. But after the game, you know, he beelined for me and I was like, man, trying to figure out who he was or how I might know him. And he ends up telling me that, uh, you know, his name's Derek Barnes and, and that I wouldn't remember him. And that when he was a real little kid, he was probably somewhere between uh, six and 10 years old during that time frame. Uh, you know, him and I used to throw the football at a boys and girls club in Cincinnati, Ohio that I spent my Tuesdays at when I was a young player. This is probably my rookie second, third, fourth year. And um, he actually ends up later on, you know, having some pictures of it that I saw. But yeah, so he tells me that, just tells me thank you. And that he wanted to tell me that he had made it and he made it to the NFL. And, and I can remember literally getting back in the locker room and being like, what did I say back to him? Because I, I don't even. I was so like caught off guard and kind of humbled by it that I was like, and emotional that I was kind of like, I, I don't even remember what I told told him back. And I was, I went to our PR person. I was like, hey, can you find a way to get a hold of him? Like, I need to talk to him again because I. It was so like, whoa, wait a minute, you know how how weird or just crazy that that would even happen. I mean, the percentages of that happening are. Out of this world. And, uh, you know, to have that happen in the same year that all these things went down, like I said, it's, it's, it's a movie script. It's crazy. Like to have your career kind of go full circle and your last year, a lot of these things happen, uh, I thought was so special. And it was another part of that story of playing Cincinnati and, and in the Super Bowl and in the city of Cincinnati, and what it meant to me and being a part of that community and all the things I got to do there. It was crazy that all that kind of came to a full circle and, full, and ahead right there in this last year that I'd kind of picked to be the last season of my career.
0: Well, now that you got some free time on your hands, can
2: you get your handicap as low as Kyle Williams, or is is he going to be too tough to catch? He's pretty good. He's been playing golf for a really long time, but uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I bet it won't be lack of effort. Let's put it that way.
0: You can get Sam Burns, skill, but it won't be lack of effort. Get Sam Burns, give you some lessons, and you know we can get we can get you in the low seventies. We'll go. We'll do it. Well, uh, enjoy it. What's on tap? Daddy daycare, uh, picking up, dropping off. I mean, oh got- yeah. We got a little
2: bit of everything today, you know, grab some breakfast, hang out. <laughs> uh, it's summertime. So we're just,
0: we're rolling. Well, big wit, you went out on top. Congratulations on just, a you know, unprecedented career. I don't know when the next time we'll see a, an offensive lineman starting at 40 years old. Uh, enjoy the California lifestyle, enjoy the golf course, enjoy the family. And, uh, Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate this.
2: I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: with unlimited two percent cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at Wellsfargo.com slash active cash.
1: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable